Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It's such a wonderful time whenever we talk about mission. And we're so uh, grateful to God that our church is a mission-minded church. And today we're going to be having a discussion around mission. And I have such a wonderful set of uh, panelists that are going to be doing justice to the questions that we have today. Um, Before we move further, I'm going to have each of our our panelists to introduce themselves. I'm going to start with you. Hi, everyone. My name is Chi-Chi. I was a missionary, actually. Um, No, I was with Campus Crusade for Christ. When I graduated uh, from undergrad, I served there for one year. And I've traveled with that group um, and then also African Christian Fellowship to Uganda um, primarily. But that's my background in missions. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My name is Caroline Okanko. I really thank God for our church, for our mission group. I have gone to several mission trips and... um, I lead the missions in our church today, and our church is a church that, is, that loves missions. We have a pastor that has a big heart for missions, and so we do a lot of things. We are not just going, we're not going to discuss that today, but on Sunday, we invite you to pay attention, and you will hear all that our church is involved in in mission field and all our church is doing. So we, uh, today's discussion, we're going to discuss a few things concerning missions and we encourage you to uh, stay tuned and pay attention. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hi everyone. Uh, my name is Chibuzo Eminari and I am a short-term missionary. Um, I have really been blessed to uh, be called into short-term missions. Um, I've done mission trips to uh, Honduras, uh, countries in South America, countries in Africa, and um, it's been a wonderful experience. In fact, I have to say that um, of those in this panel, I'm the most blessed. <laughs> the most blessed uh, for being called into to missions. So um, I thank God for the opportunity this night to um, showcase what we do and just uh, share the heart of, of what missions is all about. Awesome. You know, um, listening to every one of our panelists, we know that these are great minds when it comes to mission. They've been to mission trips. They know exactly what mission is all about. So I can't wait to hear what God has to say through each and every one of them. So we're going to go right into it. I'm going to start with our mission director. Um, We hear a lot about missions, okay? And now the question is, what is missions for the Christians, and why is this important to the global church? Praise the Lord. That's a good question. Because like she said, everybody you hear missions, it's a frequent uh, word that is used now 
you know. And in the church of Jesus Christ, it's, a, it's an important word for the church. So it's important that we know what mission is and missions and understand that. So what is mission for the Christian? Mission is God's redemptive purpose in the world which all God's people are to participate in by being, by their being and doing in the world to extend the kingdom of God on earth as it's in heaven, all flowing from and in accordance with God's own nature and will. Great Commission is the modern nickname for missions. This was the um, definition of missions by Dr. Yao Pabi. You know, that's, he was the one that uh, defined mission as that. And then just making us know that mission is God's redemptive purpose. We participate in it. As we live in this world, God saved us and kept us here. We continue to participate in it to extend the kingdom of God. And all that flowing, not just by what we want to do, but according to, uh, uh, it flows from and in accordance with God's own nature and will, you know. So missions refers to the diverse activities and ways, methods and means of God's people to carry out mission slash evangelism discipleship, church planting, relief work. Missions is mission practice and is both global and local, and the church is called to both. Missions usually written in plural form, but treated as singular. So you will hear people say missions, and when they say missions, they continue in a singular sentence. It's correct. That's how it is. Christian missions is following Christ's call, sharing the gospel with the lost world through God's wisdom and strength. The gospel is the basis for mission. It's really, really important that we understand that the gospel is the basis for mission. It's okay that we go maybe to somebody, some communities that I need, we help them, we give them what they need. But if we don't preach the gospel to them, that is not Christian missions. It doesn't mean that God does not approve what we do, but the, the time it becomes missions for the Christian is that is backed up by the gospel. The essence of using their social needs is to open the door so that you can bring in the gospel. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Our mission is proclaiming Christ as the only Savior from sin and the only way to abundant eternal life. Jesus told Christians to reach out to all nations. We see that in Matthew 28 from verse, uh, verse 19. Jesus sends us to all people groups to every ethnic culture without a gospel witness. So Jesus wants us to go to every um, ethnic group in the world. Why is mission important to the global church? 
Why is it important in church? You hear every time we talk about mission, we raise funds for the mission. Uh, when we talk about the global church, we talk about the churches of Jesus Christ all over the world. You know, not just our church. Our church is part of a bigger family of churches. Jesus gave us the command to go into the nations. He was not suggesting we go. He commanded us, the church, to go. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 19. The church obeys God as obedient children. As his obedient children, we obey him. God is the missionary. It's important for every Christian to know that. God is the missionary and has requested the Christian to partner with him in his field, which is the world. Matthew 9, verses 37 to 38. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. God identified himself as the Lord of the harvest and the field as his. He is asking us to pray him to send more workers into the field. As we can see, he's the owner of the field and the one who sends workers to the field. Because we are members of God's household, we do the work that our father does. God wants the gospel to change the evil systems of nations. Numbers 14 verse 21, as I leave, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. In Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God's plan is that people from every tongue, tribe, and nation will bring him glory. We see that in Revelation 5 and verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nations. Then we see it again in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude with no one, which, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. This is the reason for missions. Jesus will not come until the whole nations have heard the gospel. We saw that in, and we can see that in Matthew 24, verse uh, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. The church delays the return of Christ when we are not missional in our intents. So that's, I think maybe I was too long. <laughs> maybe I was too long, but I just wanted us to know 
the important thing that God is the missionary. And he has invited us to partner with him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, listening to you, there's a lot of stuff that jumped out. Uh, I might not touch all of them, but I want to touch on one thing that is very important. Jesus says, go into the world. So which means without the missionaries, that command will not be carried out. And again, something else is that the mission cannot be separated from the word of God and from the church. And the third thing I wanted to also point out from what you said is that missionaries or missions has no segregation. It doesn't matter who, where, what, color, whatever. Missionaries work with everybody. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, ma. Thank you. All right. So... My next question will go to you, Chichi. Um, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, 18 to 20, talks about the love of God compelling us and that we are ambassadors of Christ. Now, it's a two-part question. The first question is, can we love God and not love men enough to keep them from hell? That's the first question. Then the second question is, why is the compelling love of Christ in our lives not breaking the barriers we have towards soul winning? Over to you. Thank you, Auntie. Um, I don't think it's possible to walk with God and not ever in your life see someone who doesn't know him and your heart is moved to reach out to them and to share the gospel. Um, and the reason why it's difficult for many of us, and I'm included in that, is one, fear, right? Being afraid of other people's opinions, um, especially in the cancel culture that we live in. I mentioned that it, now I'm, it's been 10 years, but 10 years ago, I worked as a missionary full-time at Rutgers University and I can tell you the climate in a college setting where there are a lot of young people is very anti-God, right? Um, if you talk about God, if you believe in, in, in any sort of higher power, it's looked down on. You're not seen as an intellectual. People mock you for that. And that was 10 years ago. Fast forward 10 years later, and we know, right? People are called bigots. People are called, um, you know, you're not tolerant. You're not open-minded right, if you aren't accepting of people's sinful lifestyles or if you're not accepting of people's varying religious views. So in this culture where it's very easy for someone to classify you as a bigot, classify you as ignorant, um, it's, it's, it's something that's scary for a lot of Christians. But to fight that fear, we know what the Bible says. And in Galatians 1, chapter, sorry, Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, right? He says, if I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So we have Paul's example, right? We know the kind of environment Paul lived in in his day. We know the, um, the area that he was around. And even though it was, you know, many years ago, you know, he lived in a very hostile environment, just like many of us do. 
And he encourages us to not fear the opinions of man, right? Um, to take it a step further, I would say that, you know, and, um, and we know the Bible calls us to be very bold about your identity in Christ. Um, again, as someone who works in higher ed, the big thing now is identity. You know, at the end of your signature, it's what's your identity? Are you she, her, they, Z, Zer, Zip? There's, you know, it goes on and on. So everyone is talking about identity, identity. So as believers, we should be bold about our identity in Christ, right? Be bold about it. Tell people what you believe and tell people that you are a follower of Christ. But there is a huge, uh, I don't want to say disclaimer, but um, I would say warning when you do share that you are a Christ follower, you want to make sure that your actions match your words, right? If you now tell people that you follow Jesus, your actions have to match it. You have to be someone who is kind, someone who is slow to speak and quick to listen, right? Um, because once you say that you are a follower of Christ, people will watch you, and they watch you very intently, right? Um, and it's our job to really represent our, our Savior well. Um, another barrier to sharing the gospel, right, is losing sight of the gift of salvation. And that really means when um, sometimes, and again, I, I, I will say this is not, I'm not immune to this, but sometimes when you've been walking with the Lord for some time, there's a danger of self-righteousness. When you forget that salvation is a daily gift, the fact that you can wake up in the morning and talk to God is a gift and a privilege. And the only reason that you can do that is because of the blood of Christ. And when you forget that, you don't share the gospel truly, right? Um, what happens is now you tell people that you have to sanctify yourself to come before Jesus. When the true gospel is, you accept Jesus as your savior. And through that acceptance, he is the one who sanctifies you, right? So when we fall into the trap of self-righteousness, we aren't able to share the true gospel, which is, I need Jesus every day. I am here talking to you because of that need. Um, and it's really important that we're aware of that so that we can really share what it means to follow Jesus. Um, and we look at when we, I just wanted to reference 1 Timothy verse, chapter 1, verse 15. Paul says, here is a trustworthy saying, that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. This is a beautiful example of what it means to share the true gospel. Paul tells them, you need Jesus to save you from sin, but I'm one of the worst. He's acknowledging his need for Jesus, even in that moment, even as Paul, the apostle, he's telling them, I'm the worst. And that is the true gospel. It's not saying, oh, you have to Get, you have to have everything together. You can't, you know, you, you, you have to um, be a saint before you can come before Jesus. No. Um, so those two things, right? The first barrier being fear. The second barrier being self-righteousness. Uh, self when we're aware of those things, we are better able to um, share the gospel boldly so that we can um, reach people for, for Christ. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, I'm hearing a lot of things from you. And again, when you talk about the fear factor, that is, that is, that's a biggie, actually. And, um, and, you know, God has given us the boldness, like the book of, in, in the book of uh, um, Timothy also, where it talks about that God has not given us the spirit of fear, 
you know, but of sound mind. You know, so when we are able to immerse ourselves in the word of God and understand that we are the lion, our father is a lion, and we being his children are also lions. So we cannot allow ourselves to be bullied regardless. You know, that is very important. And um, thank you so much for sharing. And I'm going to go to Dr. Chibuza. Um, so it says, evangelist Billy Graham said, Show me your checkbook. This is this actually this one. I was like, oh, I need to hear this. It says, show me your checkbook and your itinerary, and I will show you your walk with God. Now the question is, how can we, how can we be missional with our time and our money? Awesome. Um, so. When, when evangelist Billy Graham made that statement, um, show me your checkbook, show me your itinerary, and I'll tell you what kind of you know, Christian you are. Essentially, he's saying whatever you value is what you will invest your time and your money. If you value something, that's what you will put your time and your money into, you know? So... Value, to value is, is something that starts in the heart or in the subconscious mind, you know. So that's where it starts. How can we be missional with our time? How can we be missional with our money? It starts with the heart. And what about the heart? Um, making sure that your desires, your priorities align with the will of God, okay? If, if you don't have, uh, um, if you don't value missions or evangelism, then it would be difficult to now start to support, you know, uh, um, missions, whether financially or through prayers or even going on missions, you know? So um, if one is to search themselves, and, and see that, you know, I'm not really interested. I don't really value uh, going on missions or at a baseline sharing the gospel because that's what missions is all about, as um, Auntie just shared. Um, if you search yourself and you find that you don't really have uh, a yearning for the, the sharing of the gospel or for, or for souls being one to Christ, then pray. Pray and ask God to help align your, your desires, align your priorities to his, you know, so that um, in the heart that's settled, that you now value what God values. And then when it comes to being missional with your time, um, let's start with time. Go on missions. <laughs> Go on missions. You know, um, there are so many people who God is tugging on their heart, saying, I want you to go on this mission trip. Um, we'll announce it, uh, uh, or there'll, there'll be some kind of, you know, people inviting you to, to go on missions. And God is saying, you, you go to missions. But a lot of times, um, what may discourage many people from going is, 
you know, you're comfortable here in the U.S. with what you know, what you see. And um, a lot of times people may not be sure. If I go to this other country, will there be civil unrest? Will there be, will, will the food make me sick? You know, will I be of any effect there? To that last point, let me say this. Um, you will definitely be of effect there. You know, um, don't think that you have nothing to offer if you go on mission trips. Um, simply just coming from America to go to another country, going to a remote area, and just spending time with the people. That in and of itself is, is a tangible way of sharing the love of Jesus. You know, just going there and interacting with them. You know, there's so much that, that one can do um, when going on missions. Um, speaking to the point of, of civil unrest, uh, God protects his people, you know. Um, recently, a few weeks ago, I went on a mission trip, um, and I was in South Sudan. And, you know, South Sudan, South Sudan is just south of Sudan. <laughs> and we, we all know of, of, of the war that's going on in Sudan. Um, even in South Sudan, there's still some civil unrest that's happening when you go outside the bounds of the city. Um, but I can say from firsthand experience, I never felt uh, uneasy while there. I never felt like my, my life was in danger. You know, I felt that I was surrounded by God's people, good people who um, uh, were very helpful in carrying out our purpose there. You know, so... Just, just know that wherever you go, um, God protects his own, you know. Um, so, if you're not able to go on missions, at least, I won't say at least, excuse me, but if you don't go on missions, again, you can be missional with your time by praying. Praying for the work of God globally, you know. You can be praying for missionaries that God will cause them to be effective. If you look in the scriptures, uh, Paul would always write letters to the churches and saying, pray for me. Pray for me that I will speak with boldness. Pray for me that I will speak correctly by the leading of the Holy Spirit. These are things that we can be praying for missionaries on a regular basis. Remember, if your heart is now aligned with God's will, you value the work uh, of missions, then you make it a regular lifestyle to spend time to pray for missions. It's not just the missions that um, your church members may go to, but just on a regular basis, praying for the work of God throughout the globe. You know, there are some countries where Christians are being persecuted. You can pray for those who are being persecuted. Pray that God will sustain them, strengthen them, you know, and, and when God sees your heart, he sees that you have a desire to be praying regularly for the work of Christ throughout the world. He will even be giving you more uh, prayer, prayer, prayer topics as you're praying. You know, he'll be downloading into your spirit. Pray for these people here. Pray for these people here. Pray for this country, you know. So being missional with your time 
You can be missional by, one, going on mission trips, and two, being, uh, spending time in prayer, spending time in prayer um, for missions. Now, um, we know of, in the book of Acts, um, how the early church was. Um, in Acts chapter 2, verse 44 to 45, it says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So this is, this is describing the early church. You know, at that time, they were about three to 4,000 deep. Um, and, and they were just sharing, you know, with each other. Uh, if anyone had need, somebody would give to, to, to uh, fulfill that need. Today, we are over 2 billion strong across the globe. Um, just because our numbers are large, uh, we are still the church of Christ. We're still the body of Christ. So this scripture still applies. So again, to answer that question, how can we be missional with our time and our money? Now this is moving on to our money. You can be giving. You know, you can give to, to missions either by supporting short-term missions, supporting full-time missionaries, um, um, you know, Chichi, you know, church missions, you know, um, giving your money towards these efforts. Um, additionally, you can, I know for our church, um, we have clothing donations, you know, and um, there have been multiple times over the years that we have donated clothing and given these drums of clothing, you know, Auntie will be able to talk about that, these drums of clothing to, uh, towards mission, different countries, you know, and this giving, it, it's a part of what we see in that scripture. Overall, it is sharing the love of Christ in a tangible way. That's what the gospel is all about, you know. And um, uh, giving your time, giving your money, you know, I think that um, um, going back to what I said initially, uh, if your heart is in the right place, if you value the work of God in missions, you know, global outreach and local as well, then uh, these things will become uh, regular for you. Yeah, thank you so much. When you were talking, uh, scripture just jumped out for me in the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 38, says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measures, you know, shaking together, running over, shall men give to your bosom. And that's so important when Billy Graham was talking about, um, you know, your checkbook, you know. And then the Bible also said that we should store in heaven where rots and thieves cannot get to, you know. So it's so important that we, um, we put that into perspective. Bible also said, oh man, thou art inexcusable. So if you can't go, your money can go. Your prayers can go. So there has to be something that you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we have opportunity again. This coming Sunday is going to be Mission Sunday when we do our general fundraising again for the year for our church missions. So if, uh, like we talk about being missional, 
with time and money, God is giving us another opportunity to be able to sow into his kingdom. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So the next question goes back to our mission director. It says, this year's mission theme states, God needs laborers. In the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 37 and 38, Jesus said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. 38 says, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. Now the question is, what is the place of prayer in increasing the labor force for the harvest? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That is, uh, <laughs> that's uh, a question that um, every one of us um, grapples with. Because prayer is the springboard of every ministry we do. You know, if we don't pray for any ministry that God has committed into our hands, it's not going to flourish. It will not prosper. You know, yeah, because we can see when Jesus was here on earth, even though God, it amazes me, he prayed all the time. <laughs> when you read the prayer life of Jesus, you're, you're like, wow. You know, but he had to pray. He, he has to be in, in communication constantly with his, with his part of the Trinity. So he has to be in communication on daily basis, all the time with them. And he, like he told us, he's, he just does his father's will. And whatever he sees his father do, that's what he does. He was just modeling for us, his followers, how we're supposed to live our lives and do ministry. Jesus modeled that for us. Okay, we will see the, um, Jesus was praying all the time. The funny thing is that he didn't even bother his apostles to come pray with him. He would just go and pray, you know, until they took notice. They took notice and say, Master, teach us to pray. He didn't bug them to start praying, but they took notice. And then they requested that he, he would teach them. And Jesus taught them to pray. Jesus prayed on different occasions. We can see in Mark 1, 35 to 38, if you read that account, Jesus was visiting Peter's house. And then... <laughs> Early in the morning, he just disappeared and went somewhere to pray. They were all looking for him because he didn't tell anybody where he was going. And each time I read this, I say to myself, you know, sometimes how we wake up, we are praying so everybody will know. <laughs> we'll know we are praying. We wouldn't let people sleep. We want to wake them up. But Jesus just knocked out and he went to pray. They were looking for him. When they found him, they said, wow, where are you? Everyone is looking for you, you know? So Jesus, uh, he was a guest in, some, in Peter's house, but he still found, found time to pray, you know? We see Jesus prayed. Um, he prayed all night before choosing his disciples, you know? He prayed all night. We can see that in Luke 22, Verses 40 to 44, 
And after he prayed all night, he came back and he said, let's go to the next town to preach. You know, if Jesus, our master and Lord, needed that level of prayer, it's challenging to every one of us, you know. Prayer is what we all desire. We are every Christian I know. No matter how long you've been a Christian, you're always saying, God, help me with my prayer life. I want to be prayerful because Jesus showed us the model. Jesus prayed, um, he prayed at Gethsemane. You know, this time we went to Israel and we got to that Gethsemane. They had the, the stone that, you know, it just, it just gets to you how that little garden you know, how Jesus labored in that little garden just for us, you know, before going to the cross. Because there, his complete humanness showed, but he labored, he pushed through and was able to yield completely. So when we have any opportunity to do any work for God, we cannot do it by ourselves, you know. We, we pray, our praying shows our dependence on God. We don't do ministry by our skill, you know. Your skill is not able to change any human heart. It's God who changes people. And because of that, we go to him because we don't have what it takes. No matter how educated you are, you can have all the PhDs in the world. That PhD is not able to change any human heart. It's only the Holy Spirit. That has what it takes to change a human heart and convert somebody who has been, all of us, vile, vile people, you know, nothing to showcase. But Jesus will suddenly open your eyes and bring you to understand him. Someone has been praying for you, you know, someone has been praying for you. So it's really, really important that the Christian ministry that we understand that we, uh, our dependence is on Christ for ministry. And here, we, uh, where we had our text, Jesus told us to pray for the harvest. It's, it's asking us. He's the one saying, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers to his field. He's the Lord. The field is his. And he's saying, pray for the Lord of harvest to send laborers. So he's the one who calls and chooses. Um, I, when I was praying for this program, I said, Lord, I don't know why this is coming to my spirit, but I know there are young people in this church. There are people here that God is calling to mission work also. But you know, it's through prayers we are praying, God starts moving in people's hearts and starts directing them in, in what areas they need to go or minister in. You know, many missionaries we read about, they were men and women of prayer. Most, wo most works they did were heavily dependent on prayer. They depended on the power of God to go into dark areas of the world. Do you know what it took people to come to Africa when there was, they're killing the twins, they're doing everything. I remember my grandmother, he, she had two sets of twins, and that's how she started going to church because they wanted to, uh, she had twins, but the church people were the one welcoming 
people who had twins in my country in those days. And my grandmother started going to church and became a Christian and took her faith seriously. And through that, all her children, all of the, it, it filtered to me today that I came to know the Lord. So it's important that we know it is the power of God that changes people, not us, not our giftings. I, I, was, I always like to read biographies. I was reading a um, biography of the two prominent missionaries, Hudson Taylor and uh, William Carey. You know, William Carey was a missionary to India. He was, he's called the father of modern missions because he was a Baptist minister and they were not sending missionaries then, but in one of their pastoral meetings, Kerry was talking about the importance of going to the nations. <laughs> and one of each time I read it, I'm cracking up. One of the pastors said, young man, sit down. You, God, do, God does not need you. If he, if he wants to save sinners, he does not need you and me. He doesn't need to tell us, you know. But Kerry ignored him and know that the Bible says we should go to the nations. And he just ignored them, and Kerry went to India. He went to India. If you read the account of uh, uh, William Carey, um, he, he was a missionary in India, and he translated the Bible to seven Indian languages, you know? And he built um, 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 a university for, a theology, for a theological training, and he, because he went, he now made Baptist uh, ministry to develop their missions organization and their sending. If you read the missions history, you will see that Baptist church is one of the biggest church that sends missionaries all over the world. Because someone stood up to their Calvinist theory that God doesn't need us to do um, when he goes into uh, to save people. But what is, uh, what is very particular about William Carey was his prayer life. He always prayed. He prayed all the time. William Carey said he viewed success. Uh, Carey's view of success was centered on the glory of Christ as the end goal. And it was this conviction that fueled his prayer life. When he felt prayerless, he was truly in his lowest, in his lowest, believing that he stood in the way of the gospel rather than serving as an asset for the kingdom of God. He, he said to himself that whenever he's not praying, whenever he thinks, he feels that his prayer life is too low, that he sees himself as an obstruction, <laughs> To, the, to expand in the kingdom of God. You know, that's how he thought. He's known for this phrase, he says, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. That's William Carey. And you cannot, ex you cannot attempt great things on God's behalf if you're not praying. We don't attempt great things by our strength. He, we are tempted because we are dependent on God. We are depending on, on um, the power of Jesus Christ to do things. Praise the Lord. Okay? And the second missionary was Hudson Taylor. 
Hudson Taylor desired to learn more, to learn uh, to move man through God by prayer alone. That's what he said, that he wants to move man by, through God, only praying, you know? And um, Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China. If you get time, you can read about these people. You can read their biography and see the things the Lord used them to do. For many months, he talked and preached with no, evident, no evidence of result. He was just wondering. But suddenly, John 14, 13 was the promise Hudson Taylor used in all his... I'm sorry, I, don't, I hope you're hearing me. Uh, John 14, 13 was the promise that Hudson Taylor used in all his praying. John 14, 13, where it says, ask anything in my name, and that I, I, I will do that uh, so that my father will be glorified. So that's what Hudson uh, Taylor used. He asked when he was in China, he didn't have enough money, he didn't have enough workers, but he's looking at so many villages that need missionaries. He will always pray, God sent 10, 50 missionaries, send 100 missionaries. He doesn't have the fund, but he's asking. And you know what? God started sending people. Volunteers were coming. In their hundreds, they will come to help for the work he was doing in China. You know? And Hosintelo believed that the, he believed that only by fervent prayer could the cold hearts of Christians be fanned into flame of concern on behalf of a lost world for which Christ died. That it's only prayers that can fan our hearts as Christians into flame, to have concern for the lost, you know? And he has this famous quote also that we know. He says, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. In all our calculations, we calculate on God's faithfulness. You know, that is, that's Hudson Taylor. Do, these two missionaries were the ones, I just looked at their prayer life. I just looked at um, Jesus' life. And Paul himself, who is the missionary that we all know. Paul, like Chibuzo was saying when he was cheering, Paul will always say, pray for me. Pray for me that I will have boldness. Pray for me that God will give me an open door. Pray for me that God will do the, in all those places where he's going. So it's really, really important. Prayer is the springboard of any ministry that the Lord has committed into our hands. When we stop praying and asking God, like he told us, to pray that God will send laborers into his field. We already, we are praying also that God will, from among us, send missionaries out into the world, not just in our church, but to reach other unreached people groups. It is very, very important. So it's important God, Jesus told us to pray for laborers. Jesus modeled praying for us while he was here on earth as humans. Uh, we don't have what it takes to change anybody. That's why we continue to pray. To God wants his glory to come to bear on all nations, to change the evil systems of the world. We are all sitting here today because there were missionaries who came to Africa. 
You know, I remember if you read about David Livingstone, it was uh, Moffat, Robert Moffat was a missionary who, was, who saw the young Livingston in one of their meetings and was telling him how he hears a, a thousand, he sees the smoke of a thousand villages in Africa where there is no missionary, where there is no gospel. And when Livingston heard that, he was moved. That's how he was put into being a missionary. So what am I saying in effect? That prayer is very, very important. Without prayer, we cannot achieve much. Without prayer, more people will not come in to serve. We see movement. The Lord is moving all over the world. Many young people are volunteering and going into missionary work again. I pray that it will also happen among us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, this uh, question, Jesus actually answered the question when he gave that instruction in, um, in that Matthew um, chapter 9 and verse 38, where he says, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest that he will send laborers. So God is in charge. God knows exactly what kind of laborer is needed in what kind of field. Yes. Because actually what I, I come to understand is different fields, different types of laborers. And it's God who knows who is fit for which field. Thank you so much, Ma. Um, Thank you. So we have another question. This is a general question for all our panelists. And uh, it's a two-part question. And honestly, the second part of it is for everybody. Everybody. I need you guys to pay attention everybody. So it says, godlessness and iniquity have increased exponentially in our time. We see that all the time. It says, so much laborers are needed, for sure. Now, the question first is, does God still call missionaries? That's question number one. Then question number two that I said everybody should pay attention is, could he be calling you? Anybody um, can. I want to, I want to preface the answer that um, I think we'll give as a panel by addressing the, the first part that was, that was stated, that in this day and age, godlessness, you know, is abounding. And um, the Bible forewarned us about that, you know. And the, the way I look at it is if you are forewarned about something, then you are able to counteract it. You're able to plan for it, plan against it, okay? Um, you know, I can, I can use the example of uh, football. You know, it's football season. We just started. Thank God. <laughs> Um, for those of us who play football, when you're about to oppose and uh, go against another team, first you study the team. You know that if they do things this way, you plan to counteract it. If they do things this way, you plan ahead to counteract it. So we see in the scripture that, that God says in this day and age, sin will abound. You know, so what can we do to counteract that? One is having the mindset of being bold, 
You know, I think it was uh, Chichi that talked about that. Being bold for Christ. Um, letting your light shine. And uh, this isn't something that we can do by our own willpower. You know, it's something that we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. It's very important, you know. So um, to, to start off with that first question, does God still call missionaries? The answer is yes, a resounding yes. You know, he still calls missionaries. He still calls people to go out and share the gospel. He still calls people to, to go and reach the nations. You know, there are so many people who have not even heard the name of Jesus. They don't know. If you say Jesus, they'll, they'll look and blink at you. They don't know what, who Jesus is, you know. And um, because of that, it, it becomes much more important that um, when you get that call in your heart, when you sense the Holy Spirit telling you to go, and participate in missions, not just globally, but even locally uh, with evangelism. You know, we have an evangelism uh, ministry here in our church. When, when God says, hey, go and share the gospel, then go and do so. You know, make it a lifestyle. And, and making it a lifestyle is something that, that um, you practice regularly whether it's at your place of work, uh, school, among your friends, you make it a regular habit to uh, inject Jesus Christ in, in, in that um, circumstances. So, yeah. I, I, I would agree that it is a resounding yes. And I want to stress that missions isn't across the world. It's in your home with your family members, because all of us, you know, we, we come from different backgrounds, right? It's with your coworkers, it's with your neighbors. Um, God is calling us to be a light to the people around us every day. That's what God calls us to do. And here in America, I, I want to say that there, sin abounds, and that means there are a lot of broken people. Um, there's just, when you look at what's going on in our communities, our neighborhoods, people are suffering because they don't know Jesus. And they live in America. And um, I want to say that we shouldn't make the assumption that because we're in the U.S., everyone has heard the true gospel, because that is not true. Many people who even maybe grew up in a Catholic church or whatever the church may have been, they've never actually heard the true gospel. So right here in New Jersey, in this city, there are people who need Jesus. Um, we know of the different epidemics going on in this country. People are turning to drugs. People are turning to all sorts of things because they're broken. They don't know that there's a better way. And that should compel us to want to share the gospel. Um, I, I love um, Campus Crusade's mission. It's making disciples so that everyone may know someone who truly follows Jesus. That's the goal. And if you yourself, if you truly follow Jesus, everyone around you is your mission field. You don't have to get on a plane necessarily. If God calls you to do that, great. But if you truly follow Jesus, you are a missionary. And your job is to share who Jesus is in your words, in your actions, 
Um, another thing that I remember learning a lot when we were on staff with crew, they said to make sure you build relationships with people, listen to them. You know, I had a very close friend who was Hindu and she would share with me about her God. She literally carried her God on a keychain. And she would oh, tell me, this is my God. And I would be like, oh, that's interesting. I would listen to her. And it took, I would say it took years. But I finally got to share the gospel with her. And she was, not that she, she didn't accept Jesus. She listened to what I had to say because for her, she was Hindu. But I don't think I would even be able to share it if, if I hadn't befriended her, right? And, and God calls us to befriend people, to get to know them so that we can be that person, right, who really follows Jesus that can influence those people um, to know him because that's important. And I just want to say one more thing before I... I there, there's something that um, one of my disciples has taught me, and it's, a, it's an equation, right? It's grace plus truth over time equals change. When you share the gospel with someone, they're not going to change overnight. There are many people who, um, and I can say this, I, I, when I work with young people who would come to our... Um, our Bible studies and everything, these are people who would come accept Jesus. They would go party the next day. They were, you know, they were, they had to grow. But by coming, hearing the truth of the word, by the grace of God, by us showing them grace, 10 years later, many of them are my friends. They're thriving in the Lord. Always remember that, right? And it goes back to what I say, said. Make sure you're sharing the true gospel, that Jesus is the one who saves and will eventually and, and sanctifies and makes us more like him. Um, yeah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And that's your friend joined us one time in our yeah. house fellowship. Yeah, she, <laughs> she came once. But you know, for her, she has many gods and Jesus. She will add Jesus. <laughs> yeah, she added Jesus to the group of her gods. <laughs> Over time, that Jesus will overcome the other gods. Yeah, she came to her house one time with our house fellowship. So, But that's important. I like that equation, I will always say to Chichi, remind me of that your equation again. <laughs> grace over time, oh, grace plus truth over time equals change. That's a good one to remember. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, so like uh, everyone has said, um, does God still call missionaries today? Say resounding, yes. God still calls. You know, and don't be fooled. Sometimes you, you, you read mission statistics. I, I read some things on missions, and they will predict, oh, uh, in 2035, in 2050, Christianity will do this, Islam will do this. I don't pay those statistics any attention because I say to them, you don't determine for the spirit of God where he goes and where he activates revival. I remember in those in the early 19th century, they called Africa a dark continent. Africa was called a dark continent, not because the light does not shine there, <laughs> but, because, but because of the demonic, <laughs> demonic activities happening in Africa. <laughs> so the missionaries felt there's no hope for Africa. But somebody prophesied over Africa and told them that a time will come that Africa will send out missionaries. They didn't believe it. There was a man, if you were 
Well, I will use Nigeria because that's where I, 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 where I know. If you were in Nigeria, in the college students in the 80s, 90s, everybody knew Pa Elton. He was a man who, a missionary, who lived in, in Nigeria. And his daughter is, still, is 85 and he's still living in Elisha. True, yes, true Pa Elton, you know, so many, he, he trained a lot of people. So many people came out um, from, his, from that background. He was the missionaries that worked with knifes, you know, for the college students. So, so many people who went to colleges and were Christians in, those, in, in the college, um, in, under the uh, fellowship in the colleges, everybody knew Pai Elton. But he lived in Nigeria and then he died in Nigeria. He believed that a time will come that Africa will send out missionaries, and it's happening. But others saw it as a dark continent. So that tells you that's what God can do. So God still calls missionaries. I have some statistics here that tells us, it tells us that in the world now we have about 7.83 billion people alive and 3. billion people uh, of them living on reached people groups with little or no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. According to the Joshua Project, Joshua Project is, um, is a, um, a ministry that collects data for the global church on unreached people groups so that if a church wants to know, like, where do you want to zoom in into missions, you can look at the, their data and know, and know Joshua Project. There are different projects. And, you know, they estimated that there are approximately... 17,428 unique people groups in the world. You know, 7,400 of them considered unreached. That is over 42% of world population. You know, so they also have the group called unengaged, unreached people groups. You know, so having all these people, what is it telling us? That God is still calling missionaries. Because we have so many areas of the world that the gospel has not gone into. You know, when we went to Israel this time, <laughs> we, you need to see the amount of people that are coming there. But, you know, they don't want you to talk about Jesus. It was, it was something. So I made it, I just determined in myself to share the gospel to one of the men selling the bag <laughs> because they wouldn't let you see that running after you to buy bags. So I didn't want to buy any more bags, but I wanted to buy just so I can talk to him. So I went and I took one bag. We started talking. I said, you know, Jesus loves you. It's because of Jesus. All these people are trooping in here. So I said, I will buy another one <laughs> just so I can share the gospel. That we were in the Palestinian area that time. So I started telling him, I said, you know, Jesus is a, a, is a very loving man. He loves you. He died for you. He said, mama, mama, you know, <laughs> he, he said, here we are very peaceful people. We are very peaceful people. We don't tell you to join our religion. I said, I'm not asking you to join my religion. He said, no, no, no. My uncle Muslim, he married a Christian and they all go to church. 
I said, okay. I said, but I just want you to know that Jesus loves and cares for you. Then I left. You know, the hostility that you can sense in a place where millions of people are coming for the name of Jesus is amazing. It's shocking, you know? So, but all these are telling us that there's so much work out there that we, we may not be able to go out there to live there and be the missionary. But we saw the missionary in Gethsemane. That one was, he was, he was a missionary from London. The Lord called him to go, to go to the Gethsemane place. He preached the sound gospel. He preached the sound gospel so that all those people coming have the opportunity to hear the gospel because majority of the places we're going are humongous cathedrals. People will come and kiss the floor, kiss this, kiss that, but there he shares the true gospel. So it's really, really important. The Lord is still calling missionaries. And ask yourself, could he be calling me? You know, so that if God is calling us, let us just be yielding. Be yielded. We don't know. I know many people, you want your child to be a doctor, be an engineer, <laughs> not a lawyer, <laughs> my, my, a lawyer, but nobody just sits and says, hmm, God, if this is my child, if you can call him, this child to be a missionary, you know? Parents don't think that. We just want the big one. You know? So, but that is the biggest one. That is the biggest one. That is the biggest one. You know, we want the big names that is respected among Africans. You know, I, there was one thing um, I heard when I went to a conference on missions, and it talked about how Europe kept Christianity for 1,000 years. And they, had, they sent out a lot of missionaries. Now... Africa that was called the dark continent. Africa has the highest number of Christians currently in the world. But, you know, whenever they write mission work with Africa, Africa Christianity, they will say that the Christianity in Africa is 1,000 mile, 1,000 mile, 1,000 mile, and then half inch deep, you know? 1,000 feet and half inch deep. What does that mean? Because they're looking at African Christianity. It's a lot of Christians, but we have, we have sucked into prosperity gospel. So that Africa, we are not focusing on mission, missions, uh, being discipled properly so that people can, people can understand self-sacrifice. And be able, because mission work demands a lot of self-sacrifice. So I, I'm praying, I believe God, that definition will change also. That Africa is no longer just 1,000 feet long and half inch deep. No, but that it will be the way that um, other con continents who accepted Jesus and sent out a lot of missionaries, it will also be the same for us because Jesus is still working in us as his children. You know, we just, the dark continent just received Jesus. So we are growing, you know, we are growing and God is calling a lot of, there are so many missionaries actually from Africa in different other countries. But for us 
as a church, the goal of our missions in this church is that any member of this church, anybody that comes to this church, by the time you leave Living Word Church, you will be able to know what missions is, you will be able to understand missions, and you will be missional in your intent wherever you go. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This, um, this um, particular question here is very, very key to what we're talking about here. It, it's so, so key to what we're talking about here. Because if you are a human, you interact, you go to work, you have family, you know, you are probably a student. God is definitely calling you. Because me personally, what I always tell the Lord about my place of work, I always tell the Lord, I say, this is my mission field. So anywhere you find yourself as a human being, as a Christian, is your mission field. God is calling. I mean, Chichi, you work with a similar population with me, right? And you, you see a whole lot. You see the brokenness. You see the pain. You see people, people who don't understand, who don't know nothing about God. People who are really, really yearning, but they don't know exactly what they're yearning for. They know they need something, but they don't know exactly what they need. You know, you come across these people on a daily basis, and God is calling you to be a missionary, to be that, that person that will affect the change in that, the life of that person. And that's why I said pay attention to the question, could he be calling you? Because he's definitely calling us. Praise the Lord. I don't know if anyone else have anything else before we wrap up. Um, I just, I just want to add, you know, for all of you here, all of you uh, listening, um, some of you may be thinking in your heart, this is a tall order, you know, to, to go and talk to people about Christ, to share the gospel. It may be something that you're not used to doing. Um, what I would encourage is first, pray and ask God for the desire. When that desire is developed in you, God will equip you to do it. He will teach you how to do it. He will give you opportunities where you can practice sharing the gospel. Um, we who are on this panel, you know, doing missions work or people who are um, experienced in evangelism, they didn't start doing that from birth. They started somewhere. You know, they learned from other people who were doing it. They grew more in their knowledge of the gospel and how to talk about the gospel, um, sharing it. Um, so really pray and ask God, one, to develop, to, to give you the desire for it, and two, to help train you, develop you into someone who can talk about Christ to other people, you know, and, and um, as you yield yourself to be used by God, 
then you'll find yourself being used more and more. You find yourself being more uh, fluent in talking about Christ. There are many Christians who are not fluent in sharing um, um, sharing Christ, talking about why they made the decision to follow Christ, sharing the gospel. And, and if that's you and you're listening tonight uh, to this discussion, pray and ask God to help develop you, help to teach you how to be more fluent in, in your speech regarding that. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. You don't have to talk, say too much. Just share what Jesus did in your life. You know, if Jesus changed you, share that. Just say what Jesus did in your life. Just share it. That someone will want to know, what did he do for you? You just tell them what he did. That's, that's enough um, testimony. And as you share it, God continues to help you. And um, I don't know how to say it, but what I mean is that as you share that gospel, somebody may be, may be amazed. God did that for you. He can also do that for me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, it's been a wonderful and insightful night. And um, I just thank God for the wealth of knowledge and um, what the Lord has used our panelists to do. Um, I know that virtues has gone out. And my prayer is that God will replenish in hundred folds. And I also pray that everybody that heard and listened, that God would do something in your life. Praise the Lord.